0: Welcome to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Here to talk all things hockey are your hosts, Brad Crisco, Ryan Hanna, and Evan Lobsinger.
1: We've been doing this five and a half years. We're the biggest Red Wings podcast on the planet. And we still, at a time in our lives where The world is shut down, cannot communicate properly as to when to start an episode, when we're all in the same damn group chat. It came down to a point where I didn't even respond to Evan. I just linked him to Sylvan Learning Centers.
0: (laughs) I thought you were linking Brad, to be honest.
1: No, I wasn't.
0: I was talking to Brad because we were both in the room, not the
1: the virtual room, ready to record the episode.
0: If I have to read anything, I'm out. So,
1: (laughs) yes, so we've noticed
0: oh man yeah warm no long paragraphs get to the point
2: yeah evan's like i've, I've i work till 4 30 i have a meeting till 4 30 then i'm eating then we can rock so i'm thinking mentally in my head yeah okay five 5 30 if he eats slow so then he updates us in the chat at five o'clock i'm eating i'm like okay perfect so he started a little late so we'll be ready to rock at 5 30 so me and ryan are talking evan doesn't respond in the chat or he we he says something like I'm free the rest of the night, so we're like okay, let's go now. He said and I quote, "I'm good whenever."
0: <laughs> I don't think me, that's what I said. Is what you said?
2: We'll post screenshots. So we pop, me and Ryan pop into the chat here, and we're just sitting. So is he coming? And then I added him in the chat, and he's like, "I'm no, I'm nowhere near done dinner," and I'm like, "What
1: the hell is happening?" Yes. I was taking my time. He goes. I had a meeting. We're like, yeah, we got past that. You told us you were eating now.
0: Yeah, I was still <laughs> cooking, waiting for my sweet potatoes to come out of the oven. It was, you know, it was a long time. It takes see, it takes time. You screwed yourself now, Evan, because
1: we are now well, in the evening where the sun is shining directly into your eyes. And someone in the YouTube comments on last episode astutely noticed that you tried to. S- turn your webcam and they said uh evan that doesn't change the angle at which the sun hits the earth hate to break it to you
0: well no i can chain tilt my monitor and then i can sit more over here Uh, oh wait yeah that's i might just lay down you see that blanket behind me i might just uh, you can't stop me now i could go (laughs) lay down I can let's see how far this stretches
1: you guys need to know that I intentionally we have um, we have f- <laughs> he's actually oh, he's going down. for it he's going he's laying down
2: <laughs> this is immediately one of those episodes you have to watch on YouTube <laughs> he's gone he's gone
0: he's out of frame
2: still here don't worry oh but it's
1: actually eerie hearing him so perfectly <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh shit
1: uh, welcome to the winged wheel podcast we have long since lost it Good i'm night. ryan hannah
2: <laughs> i am <laughs>
1: uh in case you're not watching on youtube brad's name is also elon musk's new child's name and uh we have the room which formerly housed the conscious evan lobsinger um I, I know some of you guys don't like long lead ins, and I'm sorry for the rambling. I promise we'll get away from it. Oh, oh he lives. He's back. He's back. Um, <laughs> I intentionally cover up the only like comfy armchair in the podcast studio with like crap every day. Because I know if Evan is tempted, he will go sit in that thing. And I can't stop him. I can't, he's much bigger than me. Um, and he's much funnier than me, and so there's like I have no leverage over him, so I just cover it in garbage because I know he'll be too lazy to move it. But now that he figured out he can pull his mic out, out of the stand, which is what you're hearing,
0: this is fantastic. Yeah,
1: well, it's changed the whole dynamic of the show.
2: Well, uh, That's I may episode. not have somewhere comfortable to lay because this is a cement floor, but now. I have a super deaker 10 feet for me. So if I get disinterested in the conversation, I can just go fire off a couple rounds and then get back in.
0: You so, I think you've already done that before, Brad. <laughs> I
1: <I've>, uh, <laughs> I decided against a super deaker because I was like, uh, there's other things I would rather spend 300 bucks on. And then watching the video of you using it today, I was like,
2: Ugh. I've had this thing for five hours and it's the best investment I've ever made.
1: I uh, I asked Mel. I was like, "I need you to tell me why I don't need this thing to practice a sport that I no longer play competitively." And her first thought after watching your video, Brad, was, or her first words were, "Well, how much does it cost?" I went, "God, no, Mel, Jesus, That's
0: irrelevant."
1: <laughs> I'm gonna buy. It. I'm gonna. I guarantee you, within a month, I'll end up having
2: one. Yeah. Well. I'm going to be back at work soon. Just come in, get the discount, and you're happy. Uh uh uh. No, no, no. I'm not catching your coronavirus voluntarily. Fine. I will pick it up for you and you can e transfer the money. You a hole.
1: Thank you. I'll give you a 69 cent tip.
2: Nice. Uh, uh, this
1: episode of the Winged Wheel podcast is a less cheery tune than what we thought it would be because, um, the last time we were talking there was a lot more promising news that looked pretty not certain, but I at that point I would have called it fifty fifty, which was an insane percentage to oh, have. It was way more than
2: it was way more than fifty fifty. All the top reporters were saying that the NHL wants to do this. This is likely happening. I was saying eighty twenty at that point, the way McKenzie and the rest of them were talking. So that that's changed
1: a little bit. And we're going to get into that as well as um, return to play conversation and draft profiles. But first, I want to talk about uh, something we mentioned last episode, which is that there is currently a uh, giveaway going on a three tier giveaway going on to all patrons of the wing wheel podcast sponsored by Everett um, at born to Dan Hart on Twitter, um, our good friend and sponsors of a lot of our giveaways. So Everett wants to help us in thanking all of the patrons who have um, been able to keep supporting us through um, hashtag these trying times TM. Um, That's obviously a really great thing. It allows us to keep going with the show, uh, get the equipment and do what we need to do to bring you the show virtually um, and and continue putting out some content for you guys. So uh, in order to thank you, we're doing a three-tiered giveaway um, based on all patrons are automatically entered based on their um, subscription levels. That's how many entries we're giving you um the third prize is a 25 dollar gift card to vintage detroit's web store uh love vintage detroit great for customization a uh, second prize is a signed puck from a current detroit red wing and the uh, top prize is a customized jersey of the winner's choice so three fantastic prizes for our patrons here so um, if you're not a patron and you uh, have a few bucks you're willing to throw our way um, it really helps us sh- support support our so uh, support our show uh, patreon.com slash podcast i told these guys i was like look tell me what you want to do i will be drinking and cooking until we're ready i just need to know if i'm eating dinner or not and we decided that we are but then they both finished early so i did all the drinking but none of the eating so if i mix up any words it's brad and evan's fault uh so thank you Everett for supporting that so uh this past episode this episode and next episode are the patreon entries that will be entered um so thank you uh Everett. and we will also kick in an additional prize of our own but we have yet to uh decide that because i just decided that on the spot and i'll ask these guys after what they care uh what they want to enter and evan will say i don't know and brad will say hey whatever you think
2: we'll give away evan's cat no
0: yeah hope you got lots of money
1: Wait, his (laughs) cat or his cat? Sure. Um, Okay. (laughs) My answer stays the same. (laughs) (laughs) The June draft. Quick recap for anyone who um, is just tuning in. So the NHL put forward a uh, early June draft proposal, which entailed a few things, one of which included uh, reverting to the um, old uh, draft lottery methods. Um, and for any of you who don't remember, uh, the current, current draft lottery methods include three different winners, um, and anyone can move up any number of spots into, spot, into draft positions one, two, and three in the first round. The old draft lottery methods were one winner, and you can only move up four spots, So Detroit would essentially move from an 18% chance of winning the draft, 18.5% chance of winning the draft lottery, which was lesser than Ottawa's cumulative 25% chance because they own San Jose's pick as well, to a 57% chance of winning first overall and first dibs at drafting Alexi Lafreniere, in addition to having at worst the second overall pick it looked like the NHL was pretty much strong arming the league into this under the pretense of there's a lot of different advantages revenue. um, You get to save money because you're not extending um, your uh, scouts and amateur scouting team for any contracts that are expiring um, and a myriad of other things that the NHL put forward. But the the primary goal here was money. It wasn't believe it or not. It wasn't actually to fix the draft for the the wings and the senators. It was to get some revenue in. Now, um, since last episode, there was a Board of Governors meeting, I believe, the next day. Um, didn't go well. By all accounts, there were at least uh, a few teams who are pretty unhappy unhappy explicitly with the advantages, advantage this was giving Detroit and Ottawa.
0: God, I feel so bad here. for those other teams. Yeah.
2: I, I mean... Okay, I think we all agreed before, even before last episode, and we mentioned it during last episode, that the concept of a June draft for just about everything other than money well, was a bad idea. If we take our Red Wings bias out of this, oh, and you I'll- remove bias, yeah, it's unfair. Yeah, if we move sure. our bias, like obviously we're upset this happened, but well, it still might happen, but we're obviously upset that it looks like it's probably not going to happen now. Um, and logically, from the NHL's fairness standpoint, yeah, of course you do it under after the season under any circumstance, and it will not be difficult to pull it off because the players were saying that they need two months of an off season, roughly, in order to properly have an off season. So, if you're telling me you can't get a draft lottery, a draft, and a free agency done in two months, I'm not buying that for a second. They, they absolutely can. Um, is the NHL going to lose money that way? Yeah, probably a lot of it. Are they going to lose a lot of viewership? Yeah, probably a lot of it because the NFL will be back at that point. I'll assume basketball will either will be on a similar timeline to the NHL. So that will take away. I mean, from a viewership growing, the game standpoint is terrible. And uh, the NHL's ultimate focus to grow the game is viewership and money. So, um, hence why they're pushing it so hard. But we can't be surprised there was this much pushback. It's probably going to end up as a status quo, same draft lottery, same odds, yada, yada, yada. I still hold my opinion that the current iteration of the draft lottery is just stupid and terrible and defeats the entire purpose of parity in the NHL, but I digress. But yeah, I can't say any of us are surprised. This was beneficial to two teams. It just so happened we're fans of one of those two teams. So... What would make this even sweeter is if they did it after the draft lottery, uh, after the playoffs, and they did the draft lottery right after, and we still got first overall. I'm here for it. Yeah. But but there is one complication with this. Um, because one of the things that the NHL is pushing for and pushing for hard from the sounds of it, and, and I think every team agrees on this. This isn't just the league pushing it. Since it's looking more and more likely... That they will not be able to finish the regular season. We're going to have an expanded playoffs, right? So I don't know if there's going to be 20 teams, uh, 22, 24. I keep hearing 24 from the powers that know in the hockey world. Even if you do the draft lottery after, I mean, is it fair for a team to make the playoffs and then still win the draft lottery? if? Montreal gets into the playoffs, even if they don't win a game in the playoffs, they still get to experience the playoffs and then they could end up with Lafreniere. It's not a hill I would die on, but still something doesn't feel, I don't know what the word right about that. So I I think there's a chance we still see a modified draft lottery format maybe not quite so generous to Detroit and Ottawa, but I I have a hard time at this point with all the angles coming at this, seeing that it is going to be status quo, which is entirely contrary to what I thought two weeks ago. I thought for sure it would absolutely just be status quo, but I can see a lot of teams uh, out of a playoff spot kicking up a stink going, yeah, sure, the arenas are empty, but they're getting marketing. They're getting viewership. They're probably getting some kind of a- advertising dollars and we get no benefit I don't think so yeah the there was a we're going to
1: get into your idea of a modified lottery here in a second I think we're going to go around and kind of pitch some ideas but there's a, a lot of discussion <laughs> there's a lot of discussion discussions award um, there's a lot of talk about this on, on Twitter since the episode came out and, and before and after the the governor's meeting and Um, you know what? There was a lot of gray area too. I know it's kind of a cop out, but everyone was kind of right in a different way. I like when we come out of this, when we come at this from a fan's perspective, we're saying what Brad just said earlier, which is that, yes, this is a change of the rules last minute. And any team that comes forward and complains has a solid, objective, fair argument against it. Like the rules switched and doesn't matter whether the rules are inherently fair or not right now. They can say, this isn't what we agreed to coming into the season um this isn't the status quo that we prepared for and it on like astronomically benefits two teams and not us that's fair um in practice is it fair i mean if you want my red wings fan answer it's that everything that i rattled off or screamed at you last episode which is that um this this draft format isn't fair and the red wings have been boned every single draft and, and like canucks fans can attest to that too like you move down six spots in three drafts, you stop giving a shit about fair. But the point still stands that, yeah, sure, the Red Wings benefited a lot and it would have been nice to see the league (laughs) strong-armed the rest of the teams into this, but those who did kick up the fuss did kick up the fuss. You wish they wouldn't, but here we are. Um, In terms of like, I saw a lot of discussion about are the Red Wings, did the Red Wings tank? And, And that's another conversation where I kind of, it's it's iffy for me and i'm not sure exactly why it's relevant because there's a team like the red wings every year not in their performance i think the red wings have been historic like a historic level of bad this past season 39 points with 12 games left is not a good place to be in um you're talking colorado from a few years ago bad um and everyone's saying, well, Eiserman tanked. I'm like, okay, well, you know what? Eisenman didn't actively try to make the playoffs. Eisenman didn't pull the Ken Holland moves, which is to mortgage futures and make bad long-term deals to try to move this team up a few spots. Um, and I think Ken Holland did that for a lot of years until it actually wasn't feasible anymore. And I saw the argument put forward, which is that, well, if Eisenman tried to make the team the best he could and then uh, still failed, then they deserve to win the lottery. And all I could think of was, no, like, You you run out of room at some point. There's only so many moves you can make in the margins. Like, If talent that made you a playoff team was available in free agency, that means they're already gone. The Red Wings didn't have that capacity. They didn't have cap space until a year ago they th- those players don't go to free agency anymore they don't have the assets to trade for those players those players aren't the right age to trade for they don't they don't have the right price to trade for them like what are they going to do trade for mitch marner right now and mortgage their next like five years of first round picks like it, it just doesn't exist so i definitely see the argument that yeah uh, steve eisman didn't try to make this team better uh, but i don't think he tanked in the sense that like he sold every good piece they had to ensure last place i think he barely sold any of their top pieces. Like Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi all stayed on this team. Zadina's still on this team. Heronik's still on this team. What did he sell? Heronik or Athanasio in green? Like this team was washed because of years and years and years of mismanagement. And look, I will still stand by the fact that Ken Holland deserves to be in the Hall of Fame one day. And he deserves a statue in whatever arena the Red Wings are playing in one day. But his last five to seven years of managing the Red Wings were the re- are the reason they're in this, this situation they're in now. And that's fine. No GM is
2: perfect. So if any team ever deserves the first overall pick more than any, and I don't care if you think I'm biased on this or not, it's the Red Wings. A. Thank you. They made the playoffs 25 years in a row. They actively avoided anything that resembles tanking for at least 25 years. 20, they they went for it in the 26th year too. They were just terrible because of the bad contracts and everything that Ryan mentioned. But before I even get into to the conversation about tanking and did the Red Wings tank and give my take on that. Since when is tanking no longer considered an acceptable thing to do? It's what every bad team has done since the draft lottery, since what in the salary cap era, since any sort of, I don't even want to trace back how far this goes, but it's, Buffalo, Arizona. Toronto got Austin Matthews, William Nylander, and Mitch Marner out of this. Buffalo got Sam Reinhart, Jack Eichel, Rasmus Dalin. Like, it's, Buffalo has their problems, but it works. Edmonton got Connor McDavid, Leon Draisaitl out of this. Nugent Hopkins, Taylor Hall. If you're bad, there is no debating. This is what you do. You don't have to burn it down a la, what was it, the 2014-15 Buffalo Sabres. That is excessive. That is what you don't want to do. But you don't go out and actively add pieces. You're not signing a Tory Krug. You're not signing a Taylor Hall. But what did what did Eisenman do? So let's get into the how heavy did the Red Wings tank. Well, A, most of this team is most, I'll say a lot of this team is comprised of, of players who were on the roster the last time they made the playoffs. Yes, they've declined, and anybody could see that coming, except for Red Wings management at the time, but they have <laughs> they have a good chunk of an air quotation playoff roster on this team. Steve Eisenman made three free agent signings on July 1st last year, and I'm usually anti-July 1st any signing. It's a bad idea. But he picked up Val Philpilop, who is an upgrade at third line C. Which which is a sad statement and we acknowledge. Yes, it's not good, but it was an upgrade, and he ended up playing 2C. Patrick Nemeth came in as a top 4D. Out of all the signings, he probably actually is the only one who outperformed what we expect of him. Uh, He brought in Calvin Pickard to hopefully push the goalie situation. Didn't work. But here's the key... I'm going to call it the two key moves. That you don't always do if you're going full nuclear on a tank. Steve Eisenman gave up futures. He traded a draft pick for Adam Ernie. And he gave up a half decent prospect for Brendan Perlini. Yes, I get Ernie and Perlini aren't that old. But they're a hell of a lot older than the assets that they were given up for. So if you're going full nuclear, you don't do that. So were the Red Wings actively trying to be good this year? No, of course. Of course not, because it would have been in their worst interest to try and improve upon last season. Did they go nuclear tank? No, they didn't. They were that horrifically bad the honest way, which is depressing in its own right. But that was not intentional. And that was a long time coming. They didn't rush their prospects up. They played veterans. They had they admittedly had a lot of bad luck this year. Their PDO sucked. Um, they had a ton of injuries coupled with a handful of players that just for whatever reason had dips. Everything about why the Red Wings were as bad as they were this year came about honestly. So... If you are anti tanking, sorry, you don't get to criticize the Red Wings. If you're pro tanking, it doesn't matter then.
1: I have two main points about this. One, I was probably the captain of the Steve Eisman return home GM committee before he came home, right? Every guest we had, I was obnoxious and, and berated them about whether I, they thought Eisman was going to come home or if they were wrong. It was a whole thing. I have probably as much Steve Eisman bias as you're going to find on anybody who. It comes on to a, a listen to podcast twice a week um if Eiserman came into the season and tried to you know trade for david legwand at the deadline it and try to make the best team possible i would have been the first to turn and say no he's doing a bad job the way eisenman Eiserman moved forward was objectively the correct way to handle a team in this situation in the nhl and the only better time to do it would have been five years sooner and if your name was ken holland instead And I stand by that wholeheartedly. And I think the people who have been listening to the show since day one have heard us say that. Secondly, um, and this isn't just conjecture. This is from talking to people in the know in the organization. I hate using the word sources because I feel like it's just tooting our own horn. But sources, talking to them before the season, during the season, and now, every conversation we've had or I've had with them or we've had with them have said the same thing. Like, yes, this team has finally accepted what they are from ownership down, which means the Illich is that They can no longer make these unacceptable pushes to the playoffs at, at the cost of their futures. But at the same time, this team has a brand new arena um, in an economy that was struggling before. And now in terms yep, of please. ticket sales, um, they can't be losing by five every night. They have to lose by one or two. And that's pretty much the balance Steve Eisenman was trying to strike. And, and that's, you can see that with the moves he made are, you know, Brendan Perlini and Adam Ernie and Valtteri Filppula and Robbie Fabri as a collective barn burners. No, of course not. Uh, are they complete, you know, duds dipshits? No, they're at worst warm bodies at best Robbie Fabri. So, the, you're trying to find this reasonable balance between going out there and putting a team that can put butts in seats every night, but at the same time not about to run away and, and squeeze you well, three points out of a wild card spot. And then all of a sudden you're drafting Jack Quinn instead of Alexi Lafreniere. And that's exactly the way Eisenman designed this team. And, and Brad mentioned there was kind of a perfect storm of things, um, one of them being a massively crappy roster that you could do literally nothing with because of the way that the contracts are designed. And then you got a 39-point Detroit Red Wings, and that's just the way it goes. So am I saying they didn't take tank? No, it depends on your your definition of tank. Did they sell everything ridiculously like the Sabres did however many years back? No. Did they try to win? Also no. Um, Is that relevant to the whole draft lottery discussion? Hell no. Hell no. Try telling me the way the Red Wings uh, handled their team this year was anything other than objectively the best way to handle this team if you're a GM, and I'll tell you you're dead wrong, and I won't even give you an honest conversation. And I'm a sucker on Twitter. I will give the most
2: belligerent people an honest conversation. That's true. This is why when I was going on my rant, I I separated tanking from going nuclear, because those are two different things. Tanking is... Go aiming for the bottom, which I won't even argue the Red Wings did, but they didn't go nuclear. And that matters if you're anti-tanking. That's all that matters if you're anti-tanking. But with the draft lottery, is it fair? No. Should it be fair? That's another (laughs) conversation. And no, it shouldn't. I like if the Red Wings were the defending Stanley Cup champion right now, I would still argue that they should go with the old draft lottery format versus this one. This one is a travesty. How many teams have we seen jump up who just missed the playoffs to win a draft lottery when teams who finished second, first, second, third, fourth, last get slammed back? The Red Wings were sixth worst in the NHL one year and got bounced back three spots. How does that happen? That means three teams between seven and 15 won the draft lottery. How is that helping now? Uh, like, oh, what was the one example
1: I had? If of they moved up one spot that year, you know who they would have had? Middle step. Was it not Elias Pettersson?
2: No, Pettersson went fifth. Yeah, and they were sixth.
1: So they if could they have moved up one spot. They would have had Elias Pettersson.
2: Oh yeah, from where they were. Yeah, yeah. It's this whole thing, and apparently the Detroit is one of the few teams who actually had Pettersson number one on their board in that draft for whatever. If you're wondering, oh, they might not have taken him. No, they would have. Um, but yeah, like, and it, Hold it, on, it, I'm just going to punch the air for a little while. <laughs> yeah. It's a superstar driven league. So the one thing I was looking at, okay. And if you, if you're sitting there and go, no, it's not, you need depth and yada, yada, yada. Here's my argument to you. Look at the Detroit Red Wings rosters for, I'll say, how many years did they make the playoffs after Lidstrom retired? Three. 2013, 14, 15, yeah, three years, 16, four years. Look at those rosters. If you take Pavel Datsuk and Henrik Zetterberg off those rosters and replace them with a good, pl- let's say Dylan Larkin, I argue those teams are as bad, if not worse, than this current iteration. A team that took the Stanley Cup champions to game seven of the second round had Damian Bruner and Joachim Anderson on the third line with a rookie in Gustav Nyquist with Kyle Quincy and Brendan Smith logging big minutes on the blue line. What in the hell was functionally different from that team to this travesty Zetterberg And Datsuk. Yes, it's a super... And Jimmy Howard standing on his head. Didn't hurt. I would argue Bernier did that this year, though. I'm just trying to put down the Howard haters. Give me a chance, man. Oh, I love Jimmy. Uh, He just needs to retire now. Um, But no, honestly, it's those two guys, two superstars changed that entire dynamic. They went from the worst team in the league to game seven of the second round of the playoffs. If you're wondering why I say the current draft lottery is not fair, that's why. Marco Rossi makes the Detroit Red Wings a better team. LaFrenier makes them a potential contender when they get good. Rossi will help them in the playoffs. LaFrenier will get them to the playoffs. Is is one player like that good enough to win you a cup? No, that's that's when depth matters.
0: But you need your super your superstar, then you start filling out
2: exactly you build around a superstar and again i love mantha i love larkin the red wings do not have a superstar right now zadina is not going to be that guy cider is not going to be that guy very 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 good players all pro all first line players in all likelihood you want to know a great
1: case study in, in superstars that you need to win a cup they're on the same team patrick kane jonathan taves jonathan taves superstar in my mind no he's on the cusp At He had a peak, couple on years the cusp. He had a couple of years where I think maybe he would have qualified, but over the average of his career, he's on the cusp. Patrick Kane? Absolutely. Patrick Kane puts that team over to their three cups or whatever it was.
2: Yeah. So let's let's trace back. Quick thought experiment. 2019 Blues. Superstar? Yeah, I'd argue a couple. Petrangelo, O'Reilly, Tarasenko. Not going to say they are or aren't, but you can make a case for any of them. 2018. Ovechkin, Backstrom, Carlson. 17-16. 17-16. Malkin, Crosby, uh, 15 was, uh, oh, it's hard. I uh, Pittsburgher. Pittsburgh or Chicago. No, it wasn't. It wasn't Pittsburgh. It was Chicago. Kane, Taves, 2014 Kings, Kopitar, Doughty, quick at the time, 13 Hawks, same thing. 12 Hawks, 2011 Bruins, Bergeron. I won't even include Marchand cause he was a rookie that year. Tim Thomas stone on his head. Chara. 09, Crosby, Malkin. 08, Zetterberg, Datsuk. 07. Uh, Pronger, Getzlaff, Perry, Solani. 0-6 would be the last one. The last team I would argue won a cup without a, a superstar. And that was the Carolina Hurricanes. But Cam Ward in those playoffs played like a damn superstar. So
1: Penguins won in 15-16 as well as 16-17.
2: Yeah, and 14-15 was the Hawks, right?
1: Uh, Yeah, I don't have that list in front of me. But still, no, your, your point yeah, stands. So anybody
2: who says Oh, yeah, we don't need first or second overall. No, you do. You absolutely do. That is the sad reality. Go back through the last 20 drafts. How many, and I'm not talking really good players. I'm talking superstars came outside of the top two or three. That number is depressingly low. I'm not going to say there are none. There are some, there are always exceptions to the rule. Pasternak, Kucherov, etc. Barzal, if you want to include him but they are the exception. Are you going to be that team that hits that? I'm just counting the first three rounds, that one in 90 every year. No, of course not. It's, it's a horrible system. I hate it. So my whole point here is if you're going to preach to me about fairness and what the NHL is doing now, cool. Show me a better fair draft lottery format first.
1: Yeah. Very. Like if you're wondering why we went off on that tangent, it's this very quick summary of what Brad said. The, the league was about to give Detroit and Ottawa a very arbitrary benefit when the draft lottery gives random ass teams a very arbitrary benefit like Chicago and Carolina and Philadelphia teams that didn't need it. So you would be hard pressed to find a Red Wings fan crying tears for those teams that lost their 2% chance at
2: winning the draft lottery. Now, and, and the one thing we can't lose perspective of in this whole stupid situation is Why are we having this conversation is because it's in the middle of a global pandemic. Of course, nothing's going to be fair and normal right now. Do you know what's not fair? I don't get to leave my goddamn house for two months. (laughs) Who cares about fair? Life's not fair. Accept it.
1: Bill Daly's comment on this was correct, which is that for anyone expecting status quo, there is going to be no status quo. You don't get normal. Nobody in the world right now gets normal. There is nobody on this planet except for maybe people in like New Zealand, right? I don't, I can't remember what country has it completely eradicated this. They don't. Nobody gets normal. Sure, you might. You can argue that the NHL can find a different solution, and we're going to touch that in a second. But there is going to be no status quo. It's not going to go as we planned. We're not going to be able to play out all 82 games and then a full, uh, full playoff and then a full lottery and then a full next season. I'm sorry, it's not happening. And if it does, I will give one random listener a hundred dollars. I don't care, hundred US dollars, which is a five million Canadian. In case you were wondering, That's I was trying to buy the jerseys part of the today. the count. No, it's certainly not. <laughs> <laughs> we, um, we don't have the money for that, Ryan. It's just, it's not happening that way. And yes, the argument is that, well, it doesn't have to go to this extreme, and that's fine. Removing bias from it, totally, totally, man. I think you're an asshole for, try- for trying to take away nice things from Red Wings fans, but that's a whole different story. But there is going to be no status quo. Now, before we get into alternative solutions for the the lottery to try and, and, and find a sweet spot here, another point that was brought up that is very valid and, and not as big of a point that was argued as the, the draft lottery benefiting Detroit and Ottawa or the letting the scouts early saving teams money. But it was uh, a point of a contention against the early June draft, which is that there's a roster freeze right now. And uh, that means you can't make trades to leverage cap space at the draft, which is a high time for trades, which hurts teams that have that cap space and it hurts teams that need to find cap space. So in case you haven't read between the lines here, the Red Wings are actually punished by this, which is why Steve Eisman came out against or was vocal against this early June draft.
2: Yeah, but here's the thing again with the understanding Nothing is normal. Is that going to be that big of a deal? Come, say we do the draft in October. Is that going to matter that much? Because by that point, I'd be surprised if the NHL hadn't worked out something with the teams that are strapped against the cap. Because um, there was rumors going around about compliance buyouts, but apparently, to, to alleviate that problem, but apparently, a lot of owners are against that. Then there is the idea of an exceptional player uh, cap. I don't know if it's like a one-time thing or a permanent thing, where one player doesn't count against your cap. And I, think I don't it's know a time
1: when Mike Illich would snap his fingers and tell the league to do something. You know?
2: Yeah. And um, so I I, I get what people are saying, and yeah, in theory, it couldn't happen in June. Well, not in theory. It definitely couldn't. You could always have those wink, wink, nudge, nudge trades. Um, Detroit trades a conditional seventh to Tampa Bay for a first round pick, and nobody knows why. And then there's a weird trade that comes down the pipe in November where we get Alex Kalorn for future considerations. Um, I mean, I get it, but we're not—we're still not going to get normal because isn't there like, what's it? Let's say Tampa wins a cup. Okay, do you think the NHLPA? make sure make sure you're hearing me on that the nhlpa would like a team like the tampa bay lightning who are strapped against the cap win the cup and then have to start pawning off players a week later there's no roster freeze at that point no they'll be unhappy of it point being nothing is going to be fair some every everybody's going to get screwed here in some way shape or form so They need to start working some kinks and I don't care that there are no trades. There are no trades in a June draft. Okay. Shouldn't have put yourself over the cap. Tough deal with it. No different than a player getting hurt. Sometimes shitty things just happen and you have to adapt because guess what? If okay, so here's the question I have to this and I'm just, I was kind of rambling and thought of this as I was talking. Why, why do, if it's just trades, why does it matter when that happens? Because I understand that the draft's a trade hub. The reason for that usually is because all the gyms are in the same room. Well, that's not happening no matter what this time around. So everything's going to be done by phone anyway. You're telling me if uh, Julian Breesbois is really hard up for cap space, he can't call people in october you can still make that and yeah it would suck for the te- uh, it would suck a little bit for the team acquiring the dead cap and the pick to wait till next draft to do that that's not ideal but again nothing is ideal right now you're not finding a perfect solution so why do we keep nitpicking on these little little details that are unfair that still have workarounds. They're just not exactly what they were because that's all this is, is we're nitpicking on stuff that's close, but not quite.
1: It's three things. One, you you just got one of them is that teams are going to want to be dealing in more certain assets which are uh, draft picks that they're about to make like an hour two hours or a day from now a team obviously has a way better read on what their fourth round pick is going to be this year compared to next year two um i think july 1st free agency has a lot to do with it because of cap space but that's almost a moot point because when does the season technically end and when does free agency technically start who knows just last co-
2: contract ends two weeks after the season ends when is that december so here, here's, again, counter-argument to that one. The NHLPA has already said they need 50 to 60 days of an offseason. So let's just say, simplicity, we're looking at a two-month layover between when the Stanley Cup ends and when the training camp resumes. So we are usually about three weeks from Cup Finals to draft right now, about three days from draft to free agency, they could just as easily fire off the draft lottery during the playoffs, whether that's conference finals or finals, whatever, because those teams wouldn't be participating in the draft lottery anyway. You can keep the same offseason timeline in that two-month window. So if teams are that hard up about it, I you're going to get no sympathy for me because you have the potentially, if it's that big a deal, you could have the same parameters. You're just doing it in October instead of June. I mean, it's it's hard for me to feel bad on that one. And if you're saying, oh, the players need a longer offseason or X, Y, and Z, yada. We've, we've all just been off for, by the time this picks up, three months. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we've had the offseason, and you're going to get another one. We've been uh, shouting over Evan this entire podcast,
1: and I think he's given up. So, Evan, how about you chime in?
0: <laughs> Where do I even begin? Is there any stone unturned? Between Brad and I, no. But you I think can probably they've been things turned things over twice, so we might be back at the start. That's usually how it goes, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah I, was, I was just talking myself in circles there, trying to justify. Because I don't care. And again, this is my grandiose point here. Obviously, I want them to do a June draft because that's most beneficial for the Red Wings taking my Red Wings bias out of it, I do not give a shit when they do this draft. If Other than the benefit, I don't care about when they do the draft lottery, when they do the draft, how they do it. Don't care because every solution is going to suck in about a hundred ways. It's up to the league to figure out what way sucks the least. Yeah, we do it in June. We lose the draft. We lose trades. We also lose a ton of money for these teams to spend to raise the salary cap. Cool. You're up for cap space. Let's do the draft in June because we need the money. Oh, you want to make trades? All right. We'll lose the money, but go to October with it. Like you're screwed no matter what. It's just in different ways. Now, again, I hate the draft lottery format period. So again, I'd like them to do what's most fair. And to me, that's something closer to the old system. But again, if I'm not a Red Wings fan, I don't care. It's um, going to suck.
1: Before Brad says again, again, um, Let's talk about one last thing here regarding the draft lottery, which is that and, and this is something Pierre Lebrun mentioned that the the league is taking a second look at this now after the, the pretty vocal board of governors meeting um, and saying that they're going to try to find a solution. So it's not like the June draft. Early June draft is dead by by no means is it dead. It's not guaranteed at this point. Call it a coin toss if you will. Um, they're talking about a a middle ground and I'm going to put something forward to you guys. And I'm going to give you my justification and I'm not going to completely remove my Red Wings bias here, but I'm going to try to think of something that I think falls within reason. And you tell me as completely objective, neutral observers, whether I'm a complete asshole or I actually am onto something. I hate it. So old lottery rules meant that you can only move up four spots, which essentially meant that the top five teams were in on the lottery. Now, teams objected to that because they said it was too extreme and blah, blah, blah. Here's the deal. I don't think we're getting a rest of the regular season. I think the NHL has talked a lot about this 24-team playoff, and I think that's the solution that they're most leaning on right now if they are even able to play out any games anytime soon. So 24 teams in the playoffs, you eliminate those teams from being able to win. Now, what you can do, however, is um, give the other seven teams, the 31 teams in the league, a chance to win first overall. So same thing as the old lottery rules where one team wins, but you can move up as many as six spots instead of four. So Detroit still, and I think with the, yeah, with that system, you can only be jumped once. So they're still guaranteed top two and they have instead of a 57% chance, I believe like a 43% chance. If my napkin math is right here, um, but they can be jumped as by as many as six teams below them. Um, that is still a pretty generous generous system for them, but it still does preserve um, the notion that the twenty four team playoff, none of those teams can win uh, first overall and a shot at Alexi Lafreniere. Is that still too generous? Am I being too much of a homer here?
2: Um, I it's fine. It's it's very similar, damn near identical to what I I had in my head. I didn't have a six spot jump. I had a five spot jump. Um, my my solution was if you're going to do it in June, every everybody's in the draft lottery, all 31 teams. With the caveat, so there's two, two amendments I make. Five spot maximum to jump. If you want to do two teams on this one too, sure, so be it. I'm fine with that. I'd, one's more fair, but if you want to do two winners, totally cool. But if you're doing the 2014 playoff, you are ramping the odds for everybody in the top seven in the draft lottery. So Detroit's odds, Ottawa's odds, LA's odds, everybody's odds go up. Every team that's out of the playoffs, their odds are obviously minuscule, but they're in it. So they could jump up from, if you're picking, if you're 15th, where you have better odds than 31, you're jumping to 10. Again, if you wanted to do two, so the worst Detroit could pick is three, in theory, sure. That would be, I would deem that pretty fair. So then you are now looking at maxed odds for all the teams that aren't getting the benefit of the playoffs. You do a June draft. Everybody can't claim victim because they're all involved in this. I mean, obviously, Detroit still has the benefit of the field, but you're ramping up the odds of the six teams behind them. So Detroit's odds without the math in my head would likely be well below 40. Now, they'd probably be almost miniscule to win the draft lottery, but factoring in the field. They'd probably be around forty-ish percent. So I, I don't would think do something that high, unless you're talking about like Tampa Bay
1: and Boston get like point 0.1% chance here.
2: Yeah, something like that. Yeah, like they uh, half a percent. Well, then why would they care? Fairness. Everybody's in. You don't know if you're making the Cup Finals. Okay, fine. Well, we'll we'll bump you up as if you got bounced in the second round. I mean, it's still intriguing for the playoff teams because again, if I was a Tampa fan. We picked 31st and then got Columbus again. I'd be pissed. Of course I would be pissed. So, hey, you had your chance. It didn't happen. Tough shit. Um, Nothing's perfect. Because, again, I, if I'm the league and taking my Red Wings bias out of this, I am pushing for the June draft like they are for one reason. And one reason only. Money. All these owners want money. All these teams want an increased salary cap. You cannot pass up revenue-making opportunities because you smash the draft in October when the NBA is going to be right around you, when the NFL is going to be firing off. God knows the MLB might still be in playoffs. Your draft isn't getting any attention. Fire that draft off first or second week of June. No, everybody's watching you because nothing else is going on. It's, I, I mean, I get it. It's unfair to do it in June, but... I, my mind at this point from a, a business standpoint you have to so include everybody in the lottery and just let the dice land as they go
1: evan what did you say when i i told a uh, told you pre episode that i said i was going to be asking you what your solution was yep that's what you said you said yep
0: oh i said i don't care i said uh, all the cry babies for the other teams i don't care how they feel
1: i think your actual words were wah wah wah. everybody has yeah. something to complain yeah
0: you know what resolve how they want to do the playoffs and then the the chips will fall as they lay if they want to do 24 teams make the playoffs all right you're in the playoffs and those other teams that aren't in do the the draft lottery odds based on those teams and then everyone else will fall out of the playoffs accordingly and that those will be where they draft like everyone i think that's the best way to appease everyone like you get a shot to win the Stanley Cup you make the playoffs um, and then the teams that are well out of it which the bottom seven teams are you they get a chance at some of the top three picks so I think that's the best option Um, I would have much preferred to have a 50% chance at Lafreniere but if we gotta play nice and everybody's gotta get their trophy um, let's, let's do it this way
1: Now, the um, projection looking forward is that the league was hoping to have some decision by Monday, if not Tuesday. Obviously, it's Thursday night as we're recording this. So with our luck, uh, Friday morning, there will be an announcement. But in all reality, it's going to take until friday sometime if not monday next week so you might hear even another episode of the podcast before we have a solution on this so uh the leak is revisiting it and brad is raising his hand for the first time in his life
2: um they were saying on the 31 thoughts podcast today that it's likely getting ki- the decision's getting kicked to next week Likely, okay, not not guaranteed but it lo- it, they said it's likely kicked to next week
1: so we record sunday night post sunday night monday morning 8 30 a.m they announced something we'll have to record an emergency podcast
2: if it's if we, it's, we will have the time, because even <laughs> though I'm back to work eight hours a day, I don't have anything going on at night <laughs> still. So if they have uh,
1: if the rules are like more or less status quo and it's not a huge change for Detroit, you'll have our podcast as usual. But if it's like a top two guaranteed pick, oh, you know, for sure, we're recording an emergency podcast. Yeah, Evans absolutely. Evans time pants optional. Day. Yeah, you're uh, wearing pants. You guys are getting paid. Uh, okay we're gonna (laughs) we're gonna move on to draft player profiles um and correct me if i am wrong um today we have tyson forster as our uh, nhl entry draft prospect profile
2: correct the power play specialist from the barry colts um covering him today uh this guy Um, at least based on my own rankings, is going to likely fall right around Detroit's pick at 32. And to make this ultra Detroit specific, he would be very high on my list of targets for Detroit at that pick. Because again, you don't like to draft based on need, but he fills a huge need that the Red Wings have, which is the left half wall on the power play. Because he's a right shot power play specialist who's got a... Arguably top five shot in this draft. I mean, all the kid does is score goals. Um, I mean, he had more assists than goals, so his playmaking doesn't get the credit it deserves. But watch any Tyson Forrester highlight reel from this season. There's not a lot of variety in how he scores his goals. He sets up in the offensive zone, finds a soft spot, tees up, and just buries it. Um, I don't think at the next level, he'll be much of a five on five impact player. He's not very quick. Uh, his speed is all right. Uh, good hands. And like I already alluded to better playmaking than he gets credit for, but it's definitely not the strength of his game and it's definitely not what's going to make him his money at the next level, but it's, it's good enough. He'll get by. Uh, I do struggle to see him playing more than a third line role in the NHL, but I could see him being lethal on the power play especially with how the red wings are set up where they can just parade out zadina or mantha on the right half wall you can have heronic and forrester on the left half wall and overnight detroit's power play changes um again not the most complete player out there but you What's um we what is it that we always preach on this podcast when talking outside of the first round? Never wear pants. Also, yes. F- find the tools and then build around it. Forrester has that NHL level tool. He's got the shot. Again, no guarantee everything else comes around, but at that point in the draft, you sure as hell try. <laughs> So
1: here's where I land on Forrester, which is that everything that Brad said is correct. Like, obviously, power play specialist, incredible shot, um, good offensive talent with high hockey IQ. It's not like he's a one-trick pony that doesn't know what to do other than swing a stick when he's in the offensive zone. I think he's, a, he's an underrated playmaker and, and can make a good pass in the offensive zone. Um, and that, to me, leads into my biggest point with him, which is that he's raw. Tyson Forster is a high-risk, high-reward second-round pick in my mind. You have a guy who, at worst, can be a great positional-need power play specialist, like Brad mentioned. Right-hand shot on the left-hand wall opposite Zadina to complement Heronic on the left side and Mantha on the right side at the point. So there's your your four guys, and you put Bertuzzi at front, and then, bam, you have Larkin freed up on the second power play unit. Um, I just put tyson forrester the first power play unit remind me to drink less before episodes
2: <laughs> but i mean still, if he pans out as as we hope he does that yeah. that's what he should be so he's a high risk high
1: reward guy so at like if he pans out reasonably you have a guy with decent hockey iq who's good offensively who can you know slot in as a bottom six guy but play well in your power play now you improve on a skating which apparently is not the performance isn't great for um a player of his type but he can be improved in terms of uh like how he he performs technically um like his skating can technically be improved you round out him as a player he has all this raw potential you give him some good development and all of a sudden he's not just a power play guy he he produces that five on five and all of a sudden he's not only useful on that left wall he uses that offensive high hockey iq to be dangerous in the zone completely it's not completely insane to think that Tyson Forster could be, um, a home run swing in the second round. I'm not saying that, you know, the best player in the draft, but if you're looking for a top six player who you might be able to find in the 40 to 60 range, Tyson Forster screams that to me.
0: Yeah. Is it easily a second round pick? Um, just because of his shot alone, um, skating leaves a lot to be desired. Um, and that, that's a big question mark at the, at the end, moving up in the levels like if he can't keep up at the nhl level it doesn't matter how good his shot is the red wings are quite familiar with how that works out um i think a team would be happy drafting him in the second round and patience will be a virtue with him um he's definitely pl- looking like a third line winger in the nhl at best maybe second line if all the stars align um, but some of the goals he scored in the OHL this year will just make you jump out of your seat. So I don't know if I like him early 30s, but maybe somewhere later.
2: I, I had him 31 for those who weren't paying attention to my draft ranking. So technically, he's a first-round pick for me, albeit just barely.
1: So, for Red Wings fans looking for potential second-round picks, Tyson Forster, in my mind, would be one to feel pretty good about. Also oh, seems like a guy who's probably going to jump into the first round.
2: Um, and one thing, too, I'm, I'm glad I haven't mentioned it, just uh, t- to avoid scaring off Red Wings fans. He, he is not Martin Furk. He is not Timo and He's got warts in his game, but he's, at this stage in his development, a more well-rounded player than either of them were.
0: Yeah, he's got yeah. some solid defensive numbers as well. So he, can, yeah. he can play 200 feet.
1: Yeah, I never cared about Marty Furk or Timo Polkin until they were winding up for a shot. Um, Tyson Forrester is a guy who can create a play as well. If the puck's not coming off his stick, he can still have a factor in that play, and, and that's the difference. Um, and not to say a, a great shooter isn't a great asset. Yeah, of course, you have a guy who could just rip it. If you boil Alex Ovechkin down to just his shot, he's still an elite player in the NHL. Um, But still, Forster offers um, not only his shot but other things in the more most important aspect of the game, which is scoring goals. So, um, a guy that I like definitely high risk. Like, there's a chance a team spends, you know, a thirty fourth overall pick on him and he turns out to be a dud for sure that that's what high risk high reward means but i think if you have a good development system you get a few strokes of luck and then he he just pans out in the right ways and all of a sudden you have a guy where they're like eh, maybe you should have gone like eighth ninth instead of 34th or 35th again eh, would i call it likely no because if it was likely, he wouldn't be ranked in the second round. So, Also, a little bit of a late bloomer in terms of um, when he's shown this uh, performance. Early on in his junior career, he did not have this kind of output for Barry.
0: He's had one hell of a, a year this year.
1: Yeah, it was the yeah. top prospects game that he really jumped into the spotlight, right?
2: Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, he was um, top he was prospects player of game, the game or Yeah, Yeah, he had a couple goals that game. Um, and for what it's worth, too, he wasn't on a particularly strong team in the OHL this year with Barry. They were, I think, just a hair above 500, middle of the pack in a week Eastern Conference. So, and I, he he put up good numbers. I know we talked about scoring being up in the OHL this year, but uh, I'm gonna pull this up here. I'm pretty sure he was over 80 points, like total, which is. Really, really good. Yeah. He led Barry in scoring, uh, 36 goals, 44 assists, 80 points in 62 games and 53 penalty minutes. So he's got some bite to him, but here's, here's the stat. If you want to know everything about Tyson Forrester, 225 shots on goal, only one other player on the team had more than 140.
0: Yikes. He's the trigger man. That's for sure.
2: (laughs) Oh yeah. He, the, that offense ran through him on the power play.
1: Okay, uh, anything for Quick Hits? Um, Seattle's new team name
2: is decided. It's the Seattle Murder Hornets, obviously. Of course. Uh, it's It's got a better ring to it than the Seattle coronaviruses.
1: Uh, Brendan Leipzig better hopes that he never has a job in the NHL again lest he gets his ass beat by um, Tanner Pearson.
2: Uh, oh, it'll be a lot of people getting handing him his ass. But the depressing reality of that is, is uh, if he wa- if you weren't an NHL player that wasn't directly named or affected by him, you won't care that much because as much as people don't want to admit it, that type of sick bro culture is still so prevalent in hockey. It's it's not a, a good time right now. All right, and we will. Move to overtime. Um, again,
1: I want to highlight two things. Of course, rdwoodworking.ca, who made us our gorgeous custom podcast table, which we can't look at right now because there's a pandemic. And also uh Everett at Born to Dan Hard on Twitter, who has created and sponsored uh this three-tiered giveaway for all of our patrons, um, who have supported us through uh you know, these tough times. So, uh, thank you to everyone. And you are automatically entered in a a competition to win a a gift card assigned puck or a custom Jersey of your choice. All right. Midweek episode, which means this is a Patreon exclusive overtime. We're going (laughs) to, we're going to start with, uh, Greg Wyshynski is the name on the Patreon comment. Oh, (laughs) Oh, God. We owe Rowan so much beer when we meet him in person. Uh, He says, well, hello there, my tanking tank lovers. Thank you for having me on your show. Given my handful of tweets this week, managed to rile up most of your fan base. It must be tough when the harsh wind of reality blows your way. You can't expect to just come out and basically concede that you'll tank before the season starts. Actually do it and get handed a top two pick. No, 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 fellows, it takes a deft touch to win the draft lottery, twice, or Galaxy Brain, one of them, by planning which games to tank like my devils cleverly did. See 9th April 2017, you'll remember the game right. Genius? Yes, I remember that game. You know what other game I remember? That's right, you dummy. It's the 1995 Stanley Cup Finals when y'all tanked that pretty hard. Glorious. Never mind that the Devils had only one more successful cup run since then. Multiple first overall picks and we are still garbage. None of that matters. The most troubling part is the reluctance to go back to the Christmas tree style red, green, and white jerseys. Thank you, Rowan. Thank you, thank you, thank you. The red and green Devils jerseys were prime. Jersey time rank the original six uh throwback jerseys from the 91 92 season obviously the barber pole is number one anyways stay tanked but also
2: stay fresh cheese bags oh my god i can barely remember some of these i remember chicago had some variation of the barber pole at that point too which was pretty dope yeah chicago's was cool boston's was the b like the b with no spokes
1: um montreal's was virtually identical uh, the Rangers was a little bit different of lettering. Um, not as nice in my mind. Who am I I can't even here?
2: remember. I can't even picture the Rangers, the one you're talking about.
1: Toronto uh, had the uh, polygonal leaf, and they went back to the frilly leaf for that one, which is obviously more of what they have now. So who am I forgetting here? So I have Boston, Chicago, Detroit, um, Montreal. New York, and Toronto. Uh, It would be Detroit's barber pole, Chicago's barber pole, I suppose, just for being bold.
2: Yeah. Um,
1: Boston's B, Toronto's frilly leaf, Montreal because it's just a nice jersey, and then New York's because the lettering was worse back then.
2: Yeah, I could agree with that.
1: Yakarutas his long time, no comment slash question. When thinking about draft success, how much do you take into account the draft position? Say you have the fifth pick and it doesn't pan out, but you got a top six winger in the second round and the second pair defenseman in the third. Do you consider that a successful draft? Also, have you ever played Eastside hockey manager? I've played it way too much and really enjoy it.
2: Uh, I haven't. And yeah, it, you got to look at the draft as a whole. Um, now, that being said, my caveat to that would be is if you have the fifth overall pick, If you whiff on that, but you get a guy in the second round who's pretty close to being worth a fifth overall pick, yeah, and I consider that a successful draft. If you have fifth pick whiff, you pick a guy in the second round who is a really good second round pick, but if you redrafted that draft five years down the line and you'd be like, yeah, I could see that guy going like 15 to 20, that's not a good draft. You blew it. It's are you getting average value from where you picked? And most drafts, assuming you don't have extra picks, you get one to two NHLers out of. So then you look at the draft value chart. What should I expect from this pick? That That's what you should hold it up against. So, yeah, you beat the odds on one pick, but it didn't make up for what you whiffed on. It's a bad draft. Again, if you're picking 20 and 50 and the guy at 50 in a redraft goes 15th. Yeah, great draft. You win, even if you whiff on 20 um hague who
1: i believe is a new patron so welcome to the dub dub says lads just become a patron only been listening since the march 1st episode love it no question just wanted to say you lot are a beauty keep up the good work uh, especially you evan cheers lads now let's get that first overall pick oh freaking evan bringing in the dough thank you evan And thank you, Hague. Joseph D'Elia says, uh, let's get weird. Hi, Michael Vsauce here. What if the draft took place every year before the playoffs? What if teams could sign a draftee right right before the playoffs? Would playoff teams trade up to try to to get the top tier of the draft for more depth on their run? Or would we see crazy trades like in the NBA? Let's get crazier. What if all this feedback from the draft rumors didn't change the league's mind and we were still guaranteed a top two pick? Remember the good old days when this was a thing? Thanks, guys. Also, LOL to jerkface Brendan Leipzig. Enjoy the KHL.
2: Um, so I, I here's the catch 22. Do I think that teams would trade up to try and get a Lafreniere or to get a Matthews for a playoff run? Absolutely, they would. How many teams in a playoff position, though, have assets that they're going to give up for that player? Because they're not going to give up an asset off their roster. So, of course, that would defeat the purpose. So, out of all the... If you look at the top 16 teams in the NHL this year, do any of them have anything that would sway first overall from giving up Lafreniere? Because I can't think of any major prospects on any of those teams that would even... You could throw together a package of like four future firsts if you wanted. But again, like an offer sheet, uh, do you want late first-round picks for Lafreniere? No, I wouldn't take... 25th overall four years in a row for Lafreniere so I think that would be something that could happen that teams would try to do but logistically I just don't see happening it would also
1: drive the price up on those picks so you'd see even less movement than you already do although I think it's a negligible amount of movement so maybe that point is moot um okay let's move on here by felicia says after reading through leipzig's comments uh, i thought some of i thought of some of the funny things people have said about me for instance one of my best friends called me a cow what are some funnier creative insults people have thrown your way thanks for always being awesome um i don't know i'm
0: sure you've had some in your twitter mentions recently
1: yeah I don't know if I've had a lot of funnier creative ones. I was a brown kid playing hockey. So you got a lot of unoriginal, pretty like oh, shitty ones.
0: Your turban? Yeah.
1: Yeah. a lot of that, um, I got a lot of just like geographically and, uh, like inaccurate pejoratives, which like they would say it. And I'd be like, that doesn't even make sense, but just on principle, like against racism, I'd have to hit them in the face. And so in a way I validated the race. I don't know. Um, funny comments about me, <sighs> I don't know. I, I I don't think hockey players are as good of
2: <laughs> shit talkers as people make them out to be. I wasn't a good one. Frequency does not equal quality. <laughs> that because that was my first thought when you said that is. It's like I'm pretty sure I've been chirped in almost every hockey game I've ever played, and I can't remember a single insult that stands out to me. So. Um, yeah, probably been called the dickhead about 4,000 times. Was there anything that made me stop and double take and go, wow, that was really good? Uh, nothing yet. Yeah, the, the subtle ones are the best one. I, uh, I, I still remember cause I was, I'm not big now, but I was like comically small, um, in minor hockey growing up. And there was a kid who was, I guess, angry with me and he was at least a foot taller than me. At least it felt like he was a foot taller than me. Lined up to me at the draft, uh, at the face-off, and just turned and looked at me and said, what are you even doing here? <laughs> oh, oh,
0: oh, that's rough. Jeez. And I'm like,
2: okay, are you, fair enough. I mean, he played on the worst team in the league, so I didn't feel... Super down about it because I knew what was about to happen to his team, but still, that one was probably the most memorable one I've had.
1: You know, I actually remember one now, which is we played a preseason game, and like for for play teams who or guys who are people who are listening to this podcast who played hockey, you know, preseason is a shit show in terms of fitness. Like, doesn't matter how great a shape you're in, once you get on the ice, if you are not on the ice for the last six weeks beforehand, you were going to be gassed. Um, I was a fast player, so I would cheat a lot as a defenseman, and I would skate back and you know stop the rush most of the time no problem um there was one kid who was really good had good top speed and i was having a harder time catching him i could have caught him i I felt like i was i could have caught him so i pushed that much harder and it's happened to me like twice in my entire life where my legs just went to jelly skated off yacked puked my guts out and my coach went you're out of shape i went yep Played that team in the playoffs. Uh he was a that guy was the best player on their team. Um and he tried some kind of dangle. I ended up hitting him, pinned him against the board, there's a whole scrum, and I said to him, I was like, uh something stupid. Like your dangle didn't work, buddy. You're like zero points the last three games. He goes, Didn't I make you puke once? And I was like, Oh god. You did. You actually did. Uh okay. Uh, Jake Nagy says, what is your ideal all time Red Wings starting lineup goalie included with the condition that you can only choose one player from each of tier of 10 jersey numbers? Oh,
0: goodness. that Sorry. sounds like a patron exclusive episode, on- uh, so,
2: man. So we got to pick between Gordy and Nick because they're in that tier. Hot take, Nick. Hot take, you have to take the second best defenseman of all time. I mean, yeah, because, man, because in the teens, we're going to get Stevie, so we can air quotations replace Gordy. We can't replace Nick. Stevie, Stevie, Federoff, and uh, and Ted uh, Lindsey. Ted Lindsey. You 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 could could get Zetterberg. Zetterberg, yeah. Nobody else in the 40s. What number was Ted Lindsey? Seven. Are we taking Nick, though? Of course we're taking Nick.
1: So we're not taking Ted Lindsey, then?
2: No, we're not. I said you can't take him. I thought oh, were, uh, I
0: thought that's who you were like. So don't worry, don't worry, Ryan. I'll send you the Sylvan learning uh, link. <laughs> um. So yeah, first line: Fedorov,
2: Iserman, Zetterberg. Really don't care which of those two you push to the wing. You've got Lidstrom on defense. So then we've oh god, taking Lidstrom and Iserman just knocks out so many of our de- other defensemen. We can't uh, take
1: Konstantinov.
2: Can't take him. Can't take Red Kelly. Uh... God, can't even take Vatisov. Brian Rafalski is there. 28, yeah. Cronwall at 55 is there. Yeah. Uh,
1: Dominic I mean, Hashik's fine.
2: Yeah, Hashik at 39, we could take him. There you go. Uh, but Find yeah, that, that defenseman, man. Cronwall or Rafalski?
1: Oh, that's mm. tough. Rafalski, I think just because he has a proven pedigree with with Blitstrom.
2: Now, are we taking into account their entire tenure as the Wings, or just? No, well, them as a player, I think. Yeah, then you go
1: Rafalski. Cameron Swix says, any idea why Wisconsin doesn't have an NHL team? Given its location, you think Wisconsin had any major pro sports team would be hockey. Um, it's because they uh, suffocate us with the Packers, and so they don't deserve anything else good. Although, thank you for your, your nice cheese curds.
2: Um, you get the Badgers deal with it. And and like, what would the Milwaukee hockey team be called? Milwaukee Milwaukee Hockeys? Cheeseheads. I just call them the Milwaukee Hockeys. Fuck it
1: uh jake steggles says good afternoon gents Longtime patron first-time commenter no red wings question today just a life one i'm moving in with my girlfriend to an apartment in grand rapids with no outdoor space or garage and i will be forced to keep my stinky stinky hockey gear in the laundry room with all the other clothes that are supposed to be coming out clean what's the best way to keep the smell at bay so my girlfriend doesn't chop her own nose off and also kill me thanks in advance guys you're my favorite podcast and i look forward to every episode constantly refreshing my podcast app yeah that's really nice of you jake thank you for your support
2: any ventilation you can get and a crap ton of capped odor no free ads but um just it's just a spray you can buy at any sports store and just generously douse your equipment in that after every use and it, it actually works surprisingly well but you're still going to need a, a fan or a vent or something in there to get the air circulating
0: cost-effective way is just to take hand sanitizer and dilute it with water i put like four five drops of hand sanitizer in a spray bottle with water it smells gone almost instantly it's amazing
1: that's really smart my stupid idea was going to be just a lot of dryer sheets but that makes way more sense
0: yeah Why i've do tried you that smell it like work. my mom's underwear oh
1: wow we're not gonna visit that one <laughs> But, uh, <laughs> matthew m rice as fellows i've been trying to teach my son the nuances of every position on the ice defenseman forward center i cannot seem to get through to him the differences between a wing slash forward and a center you've all played a lot more hockey than me and i'd love to hear your layman description of the major differences between these positions i know it sounds like a silly question but i bet you guys could coach him up much better than me love your pod and the great material long time listener thanks
0: all right venn diagrams yeah use venn
1: diagrams so i'm gonna do this quick before the two forwards talk because i'm the defenseman i'm gonna just do it very fast the centerman drives the play and has defensive responsibilities if he's not below the hash marks when the play's in his own zone he's not a centerman he's a winger all right you guys take it away
2: okay so I'm gonna I'm gonna assume this kid's too young to understand how F1 F2 F3 works so we'll stick to the basics uh, I disagree with Ryan that Centerman's necessarily the play driver the centerman is the support man okay Wingers for the most part stay in their lane in the neutral zone and the defensive zone they will stay on those sides of the ice in the offensive zone you get a cycle going everything goes. What the center's job is, is the difference is he's the guy in the defensive zone who's probably going to have to go in the front of the net or into the corners to support his defensemen. So if there's two uh, attackers in the corner, one of his defensemen, he's the guy that gets in there and support. If it's a one-on-one battle in the corner and there's one defenseman in front with two attackers, he goes to support there. If the third forward on the other team's floating somewhere in the offensive zone, trying to find a soft spot... That's where the centers is the sport. Same thing goes in the offensive zone. It's just flipped. Where are your teammates outnumbered? You're the support guy. Get in there and help. The wingers can drive play. If they're good puck handlers, they're quick enough. You can absolutely do that. But they are not going to go completely across the ice to support a defenseman to support the other winger, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. The centerman goes everywhere on the ice where he is needed. The wingers stay in their lane and are where they're supposed to be expected Expected So this is, that's, I forget how he phrased it, but that's how my coach always explained it to me. Uh First year I played rep. The center goes where they're needed. The winger goes where they're expected because they're the outlet valve defensively and they're the trigger guys in the offensive zone more often than not.
1: There's also a different position on the guys called a Brad Crisco, which uh, you actually don't have to skate more than 10 feet uh, back from the opposing team's blue line, but you can skate as far towards the opposing team's goalie as you want.
2: I call myself a rover. <laughs>
1: um okay evan beckner says gentlemen i've returned how are your sweet bippies doing i've been listening to all this draft salt and i've come to a realization i'm not against tanking i actually think taking on the gm level is the fastest way possible to bring a bad franchise back into relevance the lottery does nothing but cheat the worst teams out of superstars the fastest way to build a strong team in the cap era is to draft better players best way to draft better players is to draft at the front of the first round best way to get there is to suck best way to best way to suck is to tank but what about edmonton and buffalo inept front offices are going to stay bad no matter what their specific inability to succeed shouldn't punish teams that are competent the lottery sucks and is overall bad for the league in the long run holy shit we should pay evan for that comment there you go uh not you evan uh nick says the red wings have done everything right for nearly three decades they were elite through two cores and only bottomed out once uh they were weighed down by contracts they were handed, that were handed out as they attempted to maintain their window of contention. All of their stars were retired and their best players um, are a young core of mid-first and second round picks. The draft lottery is broken. It doesn't keep teams from tanking and it doesn't allow the draft to perform its primary function of allowing the bad teams to cycle back into contention. This is the perfect opportunity to change up the way the draft works. Some people may not like it, but I didn't like propping up half the league for 20 years and I'll always believe the wings. Win have minimum two more cups if they were in the eastern conference where they belonged all of those years when they were out west again another comment we should give money uh eric o says don't you yada yada me ryan if i were on the committee trying to figure out how to hold a draft lottery uh in the twenty nine twenty season 2019 2020 season and the playoffs were canceled this would be my pitch cancel the lottery go by reverse order of standings but put the team's drafting in the three lottery positions into a risk reward predicament if your team is to draft one, two or three, the organization will have to wager that their 2021 first round pick, then run the actual 15 lottery 15 team lottery as it was supposed to have run for those draft picks. If Detroit drafts first overall, but the Jets win the lottery, they will be rewarded Detroit's 2021 first round pick. So in theory, Detroit would have to choose between a drafting Lafreniere with an 18 and percent chance of winning their pick back or b fourth overall with no chance of losing their 2021 pick if they pass on number one the next team in line is offered the same thing if a team doesn't have a 2021 pick or have already given it up they are pass over rinse and repeat until you have teams one two and
2: three i don't know about that as much as i'm arguing it's a superstar driven league i mean you can't do what edmonton did for so long and have two players and nothing else Um, Everyone's talking about fairness and
1: unfairness regarding this uh, purpose draft, and I think it would be a way to satisfy all 15 teams outside of the playoffs. It wouldn't penalize a team like Detroit if they picked first, but also won their pick back or win the two-thirds lottery and get the pick of whoever ended up drafting into those spots. It could encourage movement in the draft order, present a reason for all fans of teams 6 to 16, a reason to tune in and keep their fingers crossed. It could push tanking teams to try to expedite their rebuild or choose to take the safer and more patient route. I'm rambling. Would you go for it as a GM at the bottom? middle of the pack and if it did go down this way would you take lafreniere and risk the 2021 pick or draft fourth and make sure you can't lose it thanks boys um and just as general rule i value this draft more than next one in terms of top end talent i think anyone picks one to six have a chance of being the best player of the draft of the next two drafts in my mind
2: yeah this year i would consider it um because next year's draft's not looking super strong. Nine out of ten times though, I I don't. I would just pick fourth, even though God, this would be a good draft to pick fourth, though. I don't know. I'm torn. I'm I am really torn. If you're picking fourth this draft, you get
1: one of Tim Stutzla, Marco Rossi, Lucas Raymond. That's wild in my mind. That's yep. that's three potential like average year second to first overall picks.
2: Uh, arguably, you could make a case any of the top five in this draft should go first overall next year. If <laughs> yeah, the way it's shaping up. Yeah.
1: E- not to knock Aturati, but like next this year is like there's a shit ton of uh, high end talent this year. The ceilings, there's no ceilings. It's just the sky this year um Okay, my favorite comment comes from Selfish Pug Hog, which means which says, "Please define concise because I made the foolish question to ask for concise comments." So bless you for that one. Uh, Stay inside, cheese bags. A company says, "Hello, fellows. I'm completely healthy now, but I did test positive for coronavirus antibodies. If you think you had it, get a blood test. If it's positive and you're healthy like me, then you can donate plasma for vaccine development and patient recovery. Very important. Well, that's incredible. So
2: good for you, man." Um, how does to hear you how, you. how does one get tested? Because there's an outside chance I I did have it early in the thing when I got sick for a few days. There it was all throat and chest, but well, I mean it went away quick, so I don't uh, think I had it. But Evan, DM him your address. Brad, go to an
1: address you're about to get in your DMs and cough on their door door handle a few times. <laughs> this um, was six
2: weeks ago. I, I I doubt I'm contagious at this point. He goes on to say, now,
1: for Greg Wyszynski first, he whined on Twitter about Detroit being unfairly handed a top two pick and is now backtracking his statements with this recent article and gaslighting the Wings fans who called him out. Now he's saying, I don't know why you're afraid to call it a tank job. Second, like you fellows have said, players don't actively tank, management and coaching staffs do, but players are play for pride in their next contracts and not to be waived and bought out from the current ones. The compete levels are insane. No wonder Drew Stafford was pissed when Wyszynski asked him about tanking when he was with the Sabres. Third, he is a New Jersey Homer, he loves the Devils and has always been jealous that Detroit has four cups in that eleven-year window to Jersey's three. Fourth, looks like I'm moving out of my place and living rent-free in his head. We've been sparring on Twitter, and this Red Wings slam piece is his biggest piece of reactionary butthurt. Come on, Greg, if that's your real name. Anyways, tell your anyone you see to stop sharing that stupid pandemic video, Dr. Mikovitz, that YouTube keeps taking down. She's an anti-vax loon trying to profit off COVID-19 hysteria chris osgood for hall of fame stay inside cheese bags yeah the the sparring with Wasinski was pretty adamant this week um honestly and this isn't me just trying to like be a fencer here i i anything i tweeted out was before i saw Wasinski's comments i i was on the fence about him like yeah did detroit like we talked about earlier did detroit tank depends on your definition do i think that means they don't deserve it no god no i think you know, just as much as New Jersey or Edmonton arbitrarily deserved. I, I can't imagine why someone would be complaining about Detroit being given something. There's no functional difference. If you close your eyes and you, you open them in Detroit, the first pick, you wouldn't question it. So I don't see the issue now, but I'm biased. Anything else, with, anything else from you guys before we wrap up? And we will wrap up. Thank you to everyone who t- tuned in. We will be back on Sunday um hopefully no significant news has dropped before then or if or sorry hopefully significant news has dropped saturday night so we have something to talk about um without further ado we'd like to thank all of our listeners our name level patreon supporters the septic tank of that bitch carol baskins jake Kiefer, by felicia dead panda society brad smith andrew bohan scott martin kayla thompson jacob turner Matt McKay, Brandon M, Matthew M. Rice, Luke Johnson, Ryan Lewis, Langebeer, Clayton Van Dyken, Kaylin Wood, Hassam Al-Kasim, Arjun Shanker, Charlie Elkins, Hannah Lee, Josh Rosnowski, new name level sponsors, thank you so much, Alex Ott, Chris Frank, Connor Layton, and Danny Jr., Matthew Keeler, Craig Kibble, Simon Anderson, Antonio Gracias, John Evans, Kay Waz, and Stan Olson. Thank you all so much. We love you. We will be back soon. Take care. Stay safe.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the Winged Wheel Podcast. Be sure to check out wingedwheelpodcast.com, where you can subscribe to the show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll also find links to other ways to support the show, such as Patreon, official podcast apparel, and more. And don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at Winged Wheel Pod. And of course, the hosts at Brad Crisco, at Ryan Hanna WWP, and at Hockey
1: Town Evans. The